0: according to St. Luke from the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from St. Luke. It is chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, and can be found on page 1593 of your Pew Bible. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Leturia, and (laughs) Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene. Now during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, every valley shall be filled in, Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways will be made smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to do, he told them. And when the soldiers asked him, And what should we do? he replied, Don't extort money, and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts. If John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the tetarch, he Because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all, and he locked John up in prison. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to thy sight, O oh Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, there is uh, there's one basic difference between the Church of the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament saints all have the same faith in the same Savior. The only difference is that the coming of the Savior was a future promise in the Old Testament while it is an ongoing reality in the New Testament. The New Testament church lives during the coming of the Savior and the New Testament church lives after the coming of the Savior to earn our salvation. We live during the time when he comes to bring that salvation to us. We look forward to the time when he will come to end time when he will come to end time as we know it and take his church with him to eternity. Now John the Baptist was the last and the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. As an Old Testament prophet, he pointed forward to the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. And the wonderful thing about his prophetic ministry is that Christ would actually reveal himself to the world during his ministry. And John was the forerunner of Jesus. Jesus would actually begin his public ministry even while John proclaimed his coming. In fact, John the Baptist was the fulfillment of many prophecies as Ed read this morning in today's Old Testament reading. And as Luke points out as he quotes Isaiah today in the Gospel, John himself was a sign that the Savior was about to appear on the scene in a very public way. Now John did what prophets do. He spoke the truth as God gave it to him. John was not interested in winning friends or influencing people, as they say. He was interested in the truth, even if it cost him his life. The truth that God gave John to proclaim was not popular. It was not nice. And it was definitely not politically correct. John Proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In this respect, he was already following the instructions that Jesus would later give to the church. For near the end of the gospel, according to Luke, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples in Luke 24, verses 45 through 47. Luke records, he opened their minds to understand scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And Jesus made it very clear that the job of the church is to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins. The entire work of the church is wrapped around the proclamation of repentance and the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ Christ in Him crucified. In true prophetic fashion, God revealed this focus of the church to John before Jesus even began his public ministry. So when we learn from today's gospel that John went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, we already see that John is following the instructions of Jesus about three years before he gave those instructions to his disciples. The proclamation of repentance begins by making people aware that they are, in fact, sinners. Did you know that? Okay, because you're sinners, and so am I, in need of a Savior. In today's gospel, we hear the proclamation of repentance that John has for those who think they are righteous. Did you hear what he said? I'll remind you. He said, you brood of vipers. In today's vernacular, it's kind of like, well, you know, what does that mean? Well, let's just take a look at the context of that. Words like viper, serpent, and snake take us back to Eden. Eden where the serpent tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. The word brood is a synonym for offspring. So basically, John is telling these people that they may think they are righteous, but they are in fact children of the devil. Way to win friends and influence people? Politically correct? I think not. But it's the truth. John went on to say that these self-righteous people are not entitled to any special treatment because of their heritage. He said this, Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to explain it this way in his letter to the Romans, chapter 9, verses 7 through 8. He said, Not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. And this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. This is the important part. But the children of the promise Are counted as offspring. The true children of Abraham are those who are children by faith, not by biology. Those who believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins are the true children of Abraham. And those who believe in their own righteousness, even though they may be biological children of Abraham, are not true children of Abraham. In fact, they betray the faith of Abraham. So this message of repentance should serve as a warning to all of us. One of the lies that our sinful nature tries to tell us, our flesh tries to tell us, that we are not all that sinful. That there is some sort of goodness buried deep down inside all of us. All we need is a chance to get at it. And John's words serve as a warning that deep down inside of us, deep, 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 deep down inside of us, we are all the children of the devil. He warns us that there is nothing in our heritage that makes us right before God. All of us are, in fact, sinners in need of a Savior. So what is the punishment for sin? John used the metaphor of an axe chopping down a tree for firewood. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. These words warn all sinners that they will burn in hell unless someone does something for their sin. This beginning of repentance is the true terror of the conscience, which feels that God is angry with sin and grieves. He grieves that it has sinned. Okay. Now, if this terror was all That there was to repentance, then we should be overcome in despair. But this is not all that there is to repentance. In the second part of repentance, we have faith in Christ, the gospel in which the forgiveness of sins is freely promised concerning Christ should be presented to the consciences in those terrors, those who are in terror over their sin. They should believe that for Christ's sake, their sins are forgiven freely. Now the preaching and baptism of John prepared people for the Christ who would soon come to earn forgiveness of sin for the world. And in fact, many of the people who came to John thought that he himself might be the Christ. And as we heard in today's gospel, the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts considering John, whether he might be the Christ. Now this gave John an opportunity an opportunity to tell the people about the true Christ. John answered them by saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And John took the opportunity to tell the people that he was not the Christ, but that the Christ would soon come. And he took the opportunity to tell the people how mighty the Christ would truly be. The mighty Christ is none other than Jesus. And he is the one, the one whom the prophets proclaimed. And he is the one in whom they believe. This mighty Christ is the solution to our problem of sin. He is the one who earned forgiveness for our sins and offers that forgiveness to us for free. He is the one who makes us holy in God's sight. And So how did he do this? Well, as mighty as Jesus is, he demonstrated his might in weakness. He, though he, well, even though we're not worthy to touch his feet, our Lord allowed men to nail him to the cross. And it was from the apparent weakness of that cross that Jesus demonstrated his greatest might. And in the apparent defeat of death, Christ conquered death. He became the solution for sin by taking our sin unto himself and paying the price for it. It is only through him that we receive the forgiveness of sins, and we can have absolute confidence in Christ's forgiveness. Why? Well, because he did not remain in the tomb after he died on the cross. He rose from the dead, and that gives us confidence that the day will come when he will raise up you and me and all of the dead and we will have eternal life. God sent John to prepare the way for the Lord. And John did this by making people intensely aware of their sins. And it is the calling of all of God's servants to make his people aware of their sins. This is the way. This is the way that God makes people aware of their need for a Savior. The more we understand our sin, the more we appreciate our Savior. The deeper we grieve over sin, the more we rejoice over our salvation. And as hard as it is to examine ourselves in the light of God's commands, it is the way we prepare for the coming of the Lord. John the baptizer was indeed a very great prophet of God. And the truth is told that the one who followed him was even greater For the one who followed him is God in the flesh and in the blood. And he is the one who took our sins to the cross and exchanged them for his righteousness as he shed his precious blood for us and he died in order to pay for our sins. And he is the one who baptizes us with the Spirit when water is combined to the Word. He is the one who works through the Spirit to give us the faith that believes. It is His coming that marks the season of Advent as we remember how He came long ago in a manger and then on a cross and how he will come again in the future in clouds of glory and he comes today in the word and in the sacrament he comes. Now may this season prepare us so that when Jesus says Surely I am coming soon. We can join God's people and reply, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus.